0: All right, Dan, you had something to say? If you don't mind just referencing which verse you're referring to, so we can all...
1: We've
0: looked at verse 19, verse 21. What about verse... What about verse... um, Where are we over here? 31. 27, 28, what what, what clues can you pick up from these verses about when do you think Purim should be? So in in verse 16 and 17 of chapter 9 right it basically tells us that in the entire kingdom of Achashverosh, they celebrated on the 14th of Adar in, in the actual year of the story of Purim. And um, and in Shushan, which is the capital where, where it was all taking place, they celebrated on the, you know, the, the battle took an extra day and they celebrated on the 15th. So that's the history. That's what happened. Then in verse 14, in verse 17, uh, sorry, in verse 19, where it says, what tells us therefore you know what are we going to do in the future it says therefore the jews who are present who are in the unwalled cities celebrate on the 14th of Adar. it doesn't say anything about what the um, people in the walled cities do it just <laughs> says that the unwalled cities do on the 14th um and then if you look later on throughout the chapter there's numerous references to the days right so in verse 21 it says they accepted upon oh one second and then in, Verse 21, you have the reference to the 14th and the 15th that we should do, celebrate, put him on the 14th and the 15th without, I mean, if you were just to read verse 21, it would sound like everybody that celebrates the 14th and the 15th, right? It doesn't differentiate between which cities, uh, you know. And then um, if you look later on, a number of times throughout the chapter, it talks about the days, just just as these days in verse 26, verse 27, verse 28. Um, and then, if you look at verse 31 again, the, de- the days, the times, in the plural. Um, now, the only differentiation we seem to have is in the year of the Megillah, of the story. We have the differentiation between Shushan, Shushan and other cities, and in the year, in, in the following years, we have explicitly mentioned unwalled cities. And perhaps the implication is that walled cities are different. Um, but it doesn't say that explicitly. And there doesn't seem to be any obvious reason. Like, I mean, if you to differentiate between Shushan and everywhere else, that would that would resonate. But why are we differentiating between unwalled cities and walled cities? Um, so... As you can imagine, there's many different approaches to this question. Um, halacha. Well, let's just start from the end. The halacha, based on the Gemara, is based on the Mishnah. Actually, the Mishnah says that the halacha is like this: that any city which was walled, which had a wall around it, in the time of yahushua Bin Nun, in the time when the Jewish people came, led by yahushua into conquering the land, any city that had a wall then is celebrates Purim on the 15th, like Shushan. Um, any city that did not have a wall then celebrates Purim on the 14th. It doesn't make a big difference whether we, it has a wall now or doesn't have a wall now. It could be a city that does have a wall now, but if it didn't have a wall in the time of Yeshua, we do it on the 14th. It could be a wall that does not have a wall now, but if it didn't have a wall in the time of Yeshua, then we do it on the 15th. What about Shushan itself? Even though Shushan did not have a wall in the time of Yeshua bin Nun. So that was come out with the absurdity that um, Shushan itself is doing Purim on the 14th. So for this, the Gemara says, no, Shushan is different because even though it didn't have a wall in the time of Yeshua, nevertheless, they celebrate Purim on the 15th because that's where that's where it all happened on the 15th. Now, why we... Okay, so that's the halacha. Um why, why are we why are we making this difference? Why are we differentiating between walled cities and non-walled cities? Why is that why is that a thing, right? Um, so there could be a number of different approaches to this. Um, very interestingly, the Ramban has it's that. This is at the beginning of his commentary to the tractate to Megillah tomorrow, and he basically says that the people in the walled cities were less of were less threatened by the decree because they were able, they were going to be able to defend themselves much better, and um, so because, so so therefore originally they weren't even really so much part of celebrating Purim. Um, because they were never really under the threat. And it was only later on when, as we read at the end of chapter 9, that Mordechai and Esther sent out message, uh, letters to the entire Jewish people um, asking them to celebrate Purim, where they started celebrating Purim and, again, I'm not going to get into exactly now why that they should therefore be on the 15th but he's, that's already a clue as to why there should be a difference between walled cities and unwalled cities. Um, Interesting to note that this is kind of opening a whole new can of worms, which I don't think we'll have time to get into now. Maybe we'll do it, uh, maybe this will be a good topic for next year uh, or something. What about Jewish communities, both locations and communities who lived in places that were not affected by the decree of Achashverish, right? Achashverish ruled over 127 Medina states, yeah, whatever that is. Now, the Gemara says that that was the whole world. Now, within the Gemara itself, there are those commentaries who understand that to mean literally, um, and there are those who understand it, various different ways of interpreting the Gemara to not be literally that Ahasuerus ruled the whole world. But even if you do understand the Gemara to mean that um, Ahasuerus was Moshe the he ruled the whole world, um, certainly there are numerous other sources, even in Chazal and in Rishonim, that Achishverosh did not rule the whole world. Uh, many say that he had, the, what's the word in English when you have a big king or emperor who has, he points sort of puppet governments in other countries who are at some level subservient to him, there's a word in-, it's it's in called Russia. <laughs> is it vassal, a vassal state, is that a word?
1: That would be one word, a vassal state is a state that's controlled by sorry, Right. outside authority. So, so, right.
0: Okay. So th- that's one way of understanding it. Whatever the case is, there seems to be um, very much basis, and certainly from a historical perspective, it would seem to be the case that Achashverish didn't actually rule the whole world and that there were many Jews who lived in places that were not threatened um, by his decree. Some of Arshim say that that's actually what Haman tried to trick into into telling him that they were all in his land. And I saw somebody actually bringing that uh, we don't have time to go into um, all the the whole, if you go through chapter 9 carefully, he says that you say that, that, uh, um, that if some, the, originally it says that he sent the, Mordechai sent the letter to all the Jews who were in, in the Medina, in the lands that were under Hachverish's rule, and only later did he so does it say that he sent it to 127 countries, and there it adds the words that Haman, Wanted to annihilate all the Jews the first time. So, you're this emphasis that Safkol Saf, you know, this this, this this is relevant to everybody. Anyway, again, just wanted to bring that up because it's a fascinating topic and question, you know, the Ethiopian Jews. There's also there's a there's a tradition from don uh what's his name the the, the from the ta- elder that the ten tribes he had a letter that ten tribes didn't keep pouring whatever the case is that's th- th- this this is touches upon this because the ramban is saying that um the ramban is saying that uh that there were cities that didn't um Right. Dan, if I could just ask you to remind me after the class, we've we, we got to fix that wire with the internet thing because I keep on getting the internet's not stable. So we need to somehow take off that piece at the end and replace it. You know, that the clicker got broken. Do you have the equipment? No, that's what we need to buy, but if we could just, we could just advise A wire me. crimper. Hmm? A wire crimper. All right. So you need a crimper. So, so again, we'll, but back, let's just sort of re- reorient ourselves. We're trying the Megillah implicitly makes a difference between walled cities and un cities, and the question is why. Um, the Rana Magilla says that, I mean, in he says that actually, basically, the, the, he said we have to make a differentiation. We want Basically, we, wa- we wanted to make, we wanted to remind, we wanted everybody to remember the 15th. I mean, even though most people are keeping Purim on the 14th, because that's when most people actually celebrated, but really, the 15th is really important, because that's where everything happened in Shushan. That was the real, I mean, if you look at the numbers over here, right, the numbers, amount of people that were killed in Shushan, compared to the amount of people that were killed. Um, <coughs> yeah, outside of Shushan, there were 75,000. And how many were in Shushan? First day was five hundred. Then it was three hundred. Okay, so it's not so representative in the numbers, but Shushan is the capital. That's where it's all happening. And um, so, maybe we have to make s- some way of remembering the fifteenth. So we could have just said, "Let's do, let's do Only Shushan should do on the fifteenth. But if it's only going to be Shushan, then most Jews are not going to really know about that because how many Jews are there in Shushan? In fact, nowadays. Um, there isn't exact um um agreement amongst historians exactly where the ancient shushan was hmm. and uh, certainly i mean there are Jew- there is there is a jewish community in iran and they even have a tome which is um supposedly um the the tome the resting place of mordecai and esther although that's questionable historians are not so I, I, again i'm not an expert on the thing but uh, it, it's, it's certainly not it's far from um it, it, it's certainly ambiguous whether actually that is the burial place of to, be that as it may there are there may be jews over there who do put him two days as suffake of a doubt but there isn't any jews who own in shushan who in, in iran in persia anywhere there who do put him only on the 15th so imagine if the only place would have been shushan who, do, who does it it would have been forgotten so in order to make sure that this the, the, the miracle of the 15th doesn't go forgotten um, we decided to make this to, to, to take some quality that Shushan has, namely being a walled city, and um, and apply it to all, all walled cities, and specifically to choose um, to choose specifically to choose the benchmark as being Yeshua bin Nun because that honors Eretz Yisrael. If you're going to say any city that was walled in the time of the miracle of Achashverosh, so then Eretz Yisrael, which was for the most part um, not doing so well at the time, which, by the way, is another interesting question. If some, 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 some the whole, the whole topic about what, how many Jews were actually living in Israel at the time of the miracle of birth. Some even tried to make the argument that most Jews were already back, back in Israel with Ezra, or many, i many Jews. But anyway, um, but basically, but the. But by, by 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 diverting it to the time of Yeshua bin Nun. So then we are honoring and remembering um, the miracles of ancestral. There is, I should mention, there is an opinion in the Tesefta that says that uh, the determining factor is which city were wall was walled in the time of Um which right. but 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 the, Mishnah, the Mishnah Paskins, and that's how we pass that we, it depends on yeshua bin nun and then the question like mentioned before the question is okay well what about shushan itself which wasn't walled than the time of yeshua bin nun and we say no shushan is different gemara brings this oh my brother no shadi shushan okay now how do we know I lost my, my phone, I rambam? anybody have a rambam on their phone if you don't mind to open to hilkaz megillah um Perik Aleph. So how do we know, what, where does it say this here? But where does it say that there's a difference between that, that it's walled cities from the time of Yehoshua? So in the Bavli, in the Gemara, in the Bavli it says that we have a Shava. Does anybody remember which law in the Torah, one of the 630 mitzvahs, more than one, two of the 630 mitzvahs that but one of them is explicit in the Torah that apply to the to walled cities that there's a difference between a walled city and an open city.
1: Well it's dealing with land management isn't it very good which uh,
0: you can tell us thank you anybody remember more details than that Right. So there's the bias, but there's all the rules or the laws in parishes. I think it's right. Of Sefer of Yukra. that um, when you sell property, when you sell fields, when you sell houses, etc. There's all these There's the regulations of when till when we allow you to buy it back before it's that it's sort of transferred to his. Ownership, obviously, you can always choose to, you know, but so one of the differences is that a house in a walled city, a house in a walled city, you basically have 12 months to the day to redeem it. And in the past, if you miss the 12 months um, mark, then that's it. You can, it, it, it. It completely belongs to the buyer, right? So in that context, the Torah uses the word prozi. Prozi is like the same word that we have here, proze, which means uh, unwalled cities. Open cities, right? So the Gemara says that we have a bzereshava. Bzereshava, we know Shava. We say it every morning in davening. and midas right. Bzereshava basically means that when you have a common word used in two, two different contexts, so then we have a Kabbalah from Meirish Rabbeinu, which words exactly it applies to, that you could um, you could you could derive something and apply it from A to B based on the common word. So because in that context we have the word prazi. And in that context, when the Torah talks about the laws of a say, selling a house in a walled city, it refers specifically to a city that was walled from the time of Yeshua bin Nun. So so too in the Megillah, when he uses that same word, Prozi, and we're implying that there's a difference between the date of Purim for walled cities or open cities, um, we're going to use the benchmark of Yeshua bin Nun. That's what the Gemara says. That's our Gemara, the, what we call our Gemara, the Babylonian Talmud, the Gemara, Talmud Bavli. The Yerushalmi says something completely different, which I alluded to before, and that is lachli kovit by That's in order to give honor to Eretz Yisrael. And in the words of the Rambam, the Rambam, the Rambam, and it's interesting that usually we pass them like the Bavli. Usually if there's something different between the Bavli and the Yerushalmi, we go with the Bavli. And here the Rambam and many of the Rishonim don't even mention the Bavli and they only mention the Yerushalmi. And you'll see soon that this has some really strong practical ramifications. But let's just see the Rambam. The Rambam is in Chapter 1 of the laws of Megillah, Halakha And I'll read it to you just straight out of the English here um, from, this is probably from from Safaria. okay. Although the castle city of Shushan was not surrounded by a wall in the days of Yeshua bin Nun, the Megillah, hold on, hold on. Yeah. So first he introduce, he, sorry, in Dalat he introduces the fact that walled cities do it on the 15th, open cities do it on the 14th, and then he then he continues. Although the Castle city of Shushan was not surrounded by a wall in the days of Yahushua bin Nun, the Megillah is read. I could scroll in, but Sorry. All right? The Megillah is read there on the 15th of Adar because it was there that the miracle occurred, as it is written the rest on the 15th. This was, this was made to depend on the days of and in deference to Eretz Yisrael, which was in ruins at that time. The inhabitants of Eretz Yisrael were to be considered residents of walled cities so as to read the Megillah at the same time as the residents of Shushan. Although Eretz Yisrael is still desolate, its residents are to read the Megillah on the 15th of other in localities that used to be surrounded in deference um, by, by defense walls during the period of Yeshua. Eretz Yisrael is just remembered in connection with the miracle of Purim." So, the no, basically paraphrases Yerushalmi as this is our excuse to give more prominence and sensuality to Eretz Yisrael. Um, now, just to go back to the Bavli a second, um, there's two sort of strange things going on in here. Firstly, we mentioned here the Xerushava. I was hoping somebody might ask this. Xerushava um, mentioned... Works that we have a tradition from Moshe Rabbeinu that tells us word A and word B, you, the same word in two different locations, you could uh, serves as a bridge. How does that help us from Megillas Esther? And we don't seem to find anywhere in Gemara. Uh, we don't usually find the Xerushava from somewhere in the Torah, in the five books, to somewhere in Nach. Seems to be a strange, a strange thing. And just to sort of. The, uh, further emphasize this. Um, <clears throat> making this Gzair prazi-prazi, even if I'm to take it at face value, also seems strange because who instituted Purim? It's very explicit in the Megillah. It was Mardachai and Esther. So at the very most, what prazi-prazi can teach us is what Mardachai and instituted. They instituted to differentiate between wall cities and the time of Yeshua no, or not. Why would they choose to do that? Right again, the Yerushalmi has this thing of Eretz Yisrael, but if you just to take the Bavli at face value, right? Wh- what's going on? Why are we? Why are we making? It? Okay, so we have prosy prosy, fine. So, but why? You still have, the Gemara says, why are we making a difference? And the Gemara answers prosy prosy. Well, well, that doesn't really answer the question. It just says how we know we make a difference, or how we know what the difference is, but it doesn't tell us why we made that difference. Now, the Durasag, Rebsadi Goyen, he he writes, let me try and quote him, Rebsadi Goin writes, in the city of Goin he writes, that any city that was walled and uh, had a wall around it at the time of, from the time of Yeshua Ben-Nun in Eretz Yisro, does put him on the 15th. So he sort of, did a quick slide of hand over there, and he sneaked in these extra two words, in Eretz Yitzchol. So, and, <coughs> again, that seems to be in line with the Yerushalmi, that the, um, it seems to be in line with the Yerushalmi, that the the reason is that we want to give deference to Eretz Yitzchol. So he says, okay, walled city is Eretz If You have a Walt city in Chutzlaret, but why should they do it? So Shushan, of course, because that could mm-hmm. be Um, Okay, but Lamaisa... Oh, of? very good. That's exactly where I was going to next. Lamaisa, there, ho- there are dozens of cities outside of Elt where there used to be a practice to do two days of Purim. Now, okay, I should mention that even though usually we say Safiq, D-Rabanu, that when you have a, a Din if you have a doubt you go, um, you're lenient. Lamaisa, and we, it's, it's beyond the scope right now to get into all the details of why, Lemaisa, when it comes to the Megillah, the Yershein and Paschim based in the Gemara, that if you have a city where it's a questionable as to whether or not it was walled in the times of Yeshua, you do both days of Purim. You have to do all the mitzvahs twice. And with the exception that the first day on the 14th, which is the day that most of the world mm-hmm. keep Purim, you say a bracha. And on the second day, you do all the mitzvahs again, but without a bracha. Now, in many cities in Chutzlaritz, The minhag was to do two days of Purim, to read the Megillah twice. Before I give you the list of cities, um, you may remember last year we did a class on reading the Megillah in English. Mm -hmm. And that was a very popular class, it has close to a thousand views on YouTube. Um, And over there, um, a lot of the source material was based on the Rishayim discussing reading the Megillah in some ancient version of Spanish. And we had then the Shutra Hanach, who he had this observation. He said, well, he thinks that there was a city that was a Suffolk uh, where they had to do it on, on the 15th. So they used to do it on the, they used to read the Megillah twice. But when the 15th fell on Shabbos, in which case, anyway, you like last year, anyway, you read the Megillah on the 14th, right? But just to, to, to remember, the 15th is reading the day. They used to read a Spanish version of the Purim story on the 15th. And that then developed into people reading the Megillah in Spanish. It's clear that, um, that that there were times, there was a time when many places in Europe used to read the Megillah in Spanish, only in Spanish. So he, he's, you know, we discussed last year this at length. Anyway, so already there you see that Anach reporting to us that there were places which were doing, in Europe, that were, were doing the Megillah on, on both days. Now, there are a host of cities outside of Eretz where we find that, we find historically, if you go through the materials, there's, there's reference to them be, doing two days. Um, I'll tell you the list of cities. Okay, you have Izmir, which is in Turkey. You have Kushta, which is today, um, Constantinople today, it's, um, it's uh, no, Istanbul, right? Baghdad, that's in Iraq. Damascus, that's in Syria. Um, Prague, Prague used to do two days. Tur, yeah. um, how do you say that in English? Is that in Lebanon? Is that Tyre? Is that how you say? Yeah. Um, there's a city in Italy. There's, a, uh, I think, even some cities in Yemen used to do two days. And okay. what? And there was even I forget the name of it offhand, but the, I should have written this down. There was even a city in Poland. I think actually in Galicia, where they used to do Purim, twi- two days of Purim, they used to begin again on the 15th. So, first of all, okay, so this is obviously n- doesn't work with the Rasag, right? It's obviously, the, and like I mentioned, there, there, everyone passes that walled cities all over the world, um, even though the reason to differentiate between walled cities is we may accept the reason of the Rishalmi. But the bottom line is that we then, by extension, apply that to any city that was walled in the time of Yeshua bin Nun. Now, the problem is that with the exception of a few, possibly uh, you know, Baghdad and, and you know, some of those, most of those cities, um, Prague and Istanbul and many others, there isn't even a shadow of a doubt that those cities did not exist and were not walled in the time of Yeshua bin Nun. So why were all these cities, and like we mentioned, it seems to it seems to have been a very, very common practice for many people, many cities to celebrate the 15th as well. And sort of over the years, it dwindled possibly by the encouragement of the Rabbonim who tried to discourage it for various reasons. But 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 what, what, what were all these people thinking? Why were they doing Purim on the 15th? Now, you could say, okay. so some have said that they were just ignorant of history and that basically because the halacha is so, so the is that if you if if, if, if you, it's actually important that if you have a city which currently has a wall around it um and you don't know how old the wall is so then you have to go to the Khumra if it's an old wall you have to go to the Khumra and assume that it might have been there from Yeshua Bin Nun so some have said look that these people the ancient communities in Istanbul and in Prague they, they didn't really know history and uh, they saw an old wall, right? Nowadays we know for certain that those cities were not around in the times of Yeshua bin Nun. But in those days, you know, they knew it was old. They didn't know the difference between a thousand years, two thousand years, <laughs> three thousand years. Whatever, you know, they did it. That that's a very difficult argument to make. It's very difficult to to, to argue that, that 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 they were so ignorant of history. Um
1: wasn't London considered a bold city?
0: Um well, there's, it depends. I mean, another part of the question becomes, well, what's considered a wall? I, I believe that the city in, in Poland that did it didn't actually have a wall around it, but it had a big fortress in it. So part of it was walled. So if the fortress was walled, then the rest of the city. That's another thing that when it comes to Purim, it's not just the walled city itself that does Purim on the 15th. But there's anything that's anything that's in close proximity to the walled city, which we'll get to soon, right? I mean, you could even make the argument in Chicago. Until a few years ago, there used to be a wall down Howard Street, but I don't know that that counts as a wall. <laughs> uh, what about a, a, an island? Oh, so that's another question. An island, like, because the Gemara's question—that's one of the reasons for it's Tzvaria is surrounded by water, so is so the question is: Is it a defense wall? So Tzvaria doesn't need a defense wall because it has the defense water. Okay, so that's also a, yeah, an thats also a question. So. So so what were all these people thinking? What were all these people thinking of doing Purim on the 15th? Now, it could be, it could be that, that they never really thought. Yeah, well, it could be that it was just, a, you know, like we saw the Ranach. They read the Megillah in Spanish. It was like we mentioned before from the Ran that we do have this idea that we would like to make sure people don't forget about the importance of celebrating the 15th. So they, you know. Without a bracha, you know, what's wrong? You read the Miguel again, you read it in Spanish, you read it in Hebrew, whatever, you celebrate again. Um, however, it has been suggested that actually, going back to the question we posed a few minutes ago, the Gemara asks, why are we differentiating between walled cities and open cities? And the Gemara answers, Gzeir Prazi, Prazi. And like we mentioned, like it doesn't seem to be a real Gzeir because it's not, it's between the Torah and and It doesn't seem to be any reason for it, so based on that whole question, so one one, one approach to that question, so so as we saw, most rishonim say that actually we still even even we still have to adopt what the Yerushalmi says that we have this agenda to prom, to, to, to promote Eretz but other rishonim seem to say to seem to imply that because of this Gzir what we're saying is that we're using precedence. In other words, Mordechai and Esther wanted to make a difference between a walled city and a not-walled city, whether you take the reason of the Ramban because the walled cities were were um, were less threatened, or whether you want to take the reason of the Ran that we wanted to make sure people don't forget about the 15th. So we're going to make some difference, but how are we going to make the criteria? So the criteria is going to be um, anything that was something that we have precedence for. So when it comes to the laws, of, a walled, of selling a house in a walled city, that's that, That's where we have prime precedence. And over there, Yeshua bin Nun is the landmark, right? So therefore, we we, 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 we take that, that, that same in, in the halakha, there's a concept that whenever Chazal institute something, they look for precedence in the Torah mm-hmm. for it. So we applied that to Purim as well. Now then you could extrapolate, well, when we say something, a walled city from the time of Yeshua bin Nun, is there any way of is there any way of creating a walled city now that should have that status? Which goes into the whole topic of Kedusha Roshona or Kedusha Roshonia, we've discussed in the past, that when the Jews, the halakh is the way the Rambam Paskins and many Roshona Paskins, that the first time the Jewish people conquered the land, it was Kedusha shaita It didn't have permanent Kedusha. And when they left the land, in the Babylonian exile, the Kedusha of Israel ceased to some extent. And then when they came back with Ezra, the second commonwealth, that extended the Kedusha for all eternity. Chazakah, Kibbush, without getting into the whole, again, beyond the scope. But based on that, some commentators extrapolate that when we say Yehoshua bin Nun, we don't actually mean Yehoshua bin Nun. We could extend that to meaning any city that is walled today. And based on that, even though we obviously don't in that way, the Rambam and all the Rosh not but now it already starts making sense. Prague, the people of Prague never thought that they may have been walled from the time of Yeshua Nun, but they were as a custom, as a celebratory thing, they they, they also celebrated the 15th in according with this opinion which could lead us to the result that any city that currently has a wall um, should celebrate on the 15th. I I, I have to do more research on this but it's also possible to suggest something much more simplistic although I don't know that it would apply to all of those cities is that but certainly for some of those cities possibly Prague and, and others that they may have been walled or they may have been at least possibly yeah there could have been a legitimate suffic. that they may have been walled in not in the time of Yeshua Benun but in the time of Akashveresh and um,
1: my question is
0: uh, what, yeah
1: for two hundred two thousand years now they know that Prague and this and that because we didn't listen we didn't hear about it so how come you know all this come with uh
0: Different,
1: different location. You know, like a second, second home. Okay. I remember that he a group in Prague that says, "This is Pam, this is Pam." Pam She said
0: Oh, well, one second, okay, so, let, let me finish you I Okay. I uh, Okay, so... Where was I? Oh, yeah, so so I, I. it's possible that some of these cities started the minhag um, to do it on the 15th in accordance with the opinion that's, that's explicitly recorded in the Tziseftim that we go by which cities were walled in the times of Vachashverish. In practice, in practice, Virtually all of these cities no longer do two days of Purim. To the best of my knowledge, Prague does not do it anymore. Okay, some of these cities don't even have Jewish communities anymore. I don't know that there's any Jews in Damascus, um, but um, but 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 some of them I, I'm pretty, I, I seem to recall that in Istanbul they still do two days of Purim, and um, and um, right now, Levisa. Let's let's move back. to so, so, Okay, let's just summarize so far. Outside of Israel, there were many cities that did um, that did Purim at least also on the fifteenth, either just as a celebratory minhag, or there was they were actually doing a chumrah according to one opinion or the other. Nowadays, those cities are almost non-existent outside of Israel. Not that the cities are non-existent, but <laughs> the minhag of doing two days Purim in those cities are almost non-existent. And um, outside of Ejisrol, virtually the entire Kali Sharol celebrate Purim only on the 14th. Of course, there's also the celebration of the 15th. We don't say Tachnon. Some communities still wear Shabbos clothes on the 15th. Echmon um, and Lutzlan is somebody sitting Shiva. So most of the laws of Shiva are suspended, certainly for Ashkenazim, on the 14th and the 15th. But there's no Megillah reading, and most people are going back to work, etc. Before the sunset, you we are going to Jerusalem to get again. Oh, yeah, okay, very good. So, That's right, what but what about the Israel? So, in it's Israel, and is basically so, so, in it's like this the only city today, today, currently, the only city in the world that does put him only on the 15th is Yerushalayim. That's the only city in the world that does put him only on the 15th, and 14th is just a regular weekly. So, they fast on the 13th. Then 14th is a regular weekday. I mean they don't say tahun and you know, but they don't sell there's no Megillah, no, no celebrations, and then fifteenth is Pur. Um, in theory, there could be many cities like that, but in practice, that's the only city that we have absolute knowledge that they are, that Yerushalayim is a a city that is in the same place that it used to be and it used to have a wall and and therefore, even though it doesn't have a wall now, it does Purim only on the 15th. Even that, even that is not, wasn't always the case. There certainly was a time when there was at least some people in Yerushalayim who used to do two days of Purim, but um, that was, uh, the the Rabbanim, uh, that was abolished, right? The rabbinim felt very strongly over the years that Yerushalayim should only be the 15th. That's recorded. There's a very important sefer called Kaf de Veferech. was a 14th century rabbi by the name of Rebbe Ashturi Um, I believe Ashturi is not his real name. I think it's a pen name, but either way that's how he's known, Rabbi Ashturi Parchi. And he was the first um, Jewish scholar who went back to Israel and traveled and studied very, very extensively to try and determine the you know today you might call it archaeology and the, the sort of the history of geography of different of Israel where the exact borders of Israel, which has tremendous halachic ramifications this year is Shemitah you know exactly if you're in the south exactly where the southern border is is still today a big controversy um so so, 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 so obviously subsequently there were many others and some people agree with him and don't agree with him and certain things. But he is like, if, if anybody's touching this topic, like he is the most important, safer to learn. And he writes that he witnessed or he heard direct testimony that we're, there were communities in Yerushalayim during two days of prayer. Okay, that man has long been forgotten. Today, everyone in Yerushalayim does the 15th. Does area- it
1: make a difference between whether they're inside the wall, the wall
0: or not? Oh. Excellent question. Excellent question. So obviously, um you have the old city of Yerushalayim. and then you have all what's called Yushalaim or the new city, but really even within the new city, you could separate it into two distinct parts. You have that which is one continuum of houses and habituated areas that extends way beyond the the, the the area of the old city. And then you have surrounding neighborhoods, which are considered Yerushalayim, but they're separate mountains, and um, there's certainly gaps in between with no houses. Uh, those just mentioned. Ramot, Ramot <laughs> uh, Ramat Shlomo, Neve Yaakov, etc., etc., right? Now, so let's break this down. I mentioned before... There's the concept of samuch vanira, which really means samuch oynira. That means if you have a if you if you have a place that is in close proximity, that is um, within um, within how many mil? I think we passing within, within one mil, within a certain distance from the city, from a walled city. So then that that place also does put him only on the 15th. Right? so if you if you were to know, imagine a scenario: you have a city that's inhabited and has a wall around it from the time, or had a wall around it from the time of Yeshua ben Nun, and then there's another city that's right next to it, and you could see it. So then they do put him on the 15th. That's my rubber, right? One second. So how do we apply this to to modern day Israel life? By the way, there's another really important question here because we mentioned before. Okay. In, we're learning this out prazi prazi. So we're, do, we're, 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 we're saying that just like we're applying many of the laws of the Torah that apply to selling a house in the walled city, we apply it to Megillah. Now, if you look in the Torah where it says, where it talks about the city that has a wall, that word loy, which it has a wall, which would be spelled Lamed Vav, is actually spelled Lamed Aleph. And it's one of those, which means that it doesn't have a wall. And from there we derive... So it's one of those words that has that's spelled one way but br- but br- pronounced or in this case translated another way. But it kind of has this dual meaning, from which we learned out that even if it even if it doesn't currently have a wall, if it used to have a wall, we go by Yoshua, but Nun. Okay, but that's only if the city still exists. If the city still exists, but the wall no longer exists. What if the city itself no longer exists, or if the city itself is no longer under Jewish rule. Now that became relevant to Yerushalayim until 67, when, um, certainly until 50, um, in in the 40s, yeah? When the entire, um, no, even after, yeah? uh, No, even before 67, there were parts of the old city that were under Jewish rule, I believe, no? Weren't there parts? or was it all on the Jordanian wall and there were just it was Jews living there. Right. Of the okay, I don't remember the exact history, but the first before some talk about it that the, you know during the times when Jerusalem, the old city of Jerusalem was under Jordanian rule, how do we apply that? Okay. Just Let's 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 move to today, right? So today, Baruch Hashem, Jerusalem is, the old city of Jerusalem, is occupied, and uh, I don't mean that in the political sense, <laughs> I just mean, in, in practice, there are Jews living there, and uh, under, uh, yeah, it's under Jewish rule. But the Temple or under the administration of the
1: Islamic Waqf. Or whatever. Yeah, but, that, but it doesn't
0: matter, but the old city of Jerusalem is there, okay? So, in practice, Yerushalayim, the entire area of Yerushalayim, that is one continuum of houses, they all do, in practice, not everybody, but 99.9% of Jews who live there do Purim only on the 15th. What about the further out, you know, the outlying neighborhoods? So there may be some, again, I don't know, the, I'm not expert in all the different neighborhoods. There may be some who still do both, but more and more as, the, as they, um, as they as there's more neighborhoods being built and the continuum of houses is becoming, the, the break in between the houses is becoming smaller, they're starting to do only the 15th. So for example, you mentioned Ramat. Ramat, some time ago, used to do Purim on the 14th, so they used to do two days or something like that. Once they built Ramat Shlomo, which is between Ramat and Yerushalayim, um, so now in Ramat, to the best of my knowledge, they only do the 15th, because that extended the continuum of houses. And basically the argument is that even though, that even though, the argument is that basically, the Gemara talks about Somach V'nir, a city that's close, but here, because you have continuum of houses, and we recall the laws of Tchumen, you know, for Shabbos, how, how we measure exactly cities, right? What time is it? Oh wow. Um, Right. Um, so because of that, be, be, because of that, we, even though, so therefore the, 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 the houses in Jerusalem are part of the continuum of houses, even though they're way past the old city, um, they still do put them only on the 15th because it's considered one city. And then that could then, you know, you have to do the exact measurements to all these outlying neighborhoods, but it all extends to that. That is the practice. However, there is, we, we have to mention, that there was a very prominent Rav called Rabbi Tukushinski. And he's very famous for a whole host of stuff. Um, but, in fact, if you go on to mysmanem.com, you will see there's one of the manim, there's Manim, okay. Um, but he's also famous for being one of the one of the primary and first of contemporary um, Paskim who delved deeply into pr- figuring out mitzvahs at Luis Barret, figuring out... Um, you know, as it, in the last century became more and more Jews coming back to live in Eretz Yisrael. So there were all these forgotten laws which had to be figured out exactly together with the modern application. The laws of Schmitter, Trumas, Meisters, and including in that is the laws of of Purim on the 15th. Now Rabbi Tokoshinsky held very, very strongly that we have to treat Yerushalayim vis-à-vis keeping Purim on the 15th only Yerushalayim Ha'atiko, within the wall, and anything that is within the distance of Samukh Venera to the old city. So he didn't hold of this thing of the continuum of houses. He had that distance, and that was a hard line for him. And therefore, he passed in, for those familiar with the geography of Yerushalayim a little bit, that basically passed the bus station, past the Chav Yafo, anywhere from there, and I don't know which direction, whatever, it's west, away from the old city, um, has to do Purim on the 14th. And every year he published a calendar with all his things and he wrote, outside of here, you do Purim on the 14th. Until today, there is a minna, there's a shul, actually not far from the bus station, I forgot what it's called, maybe Eitzheim or something, where they are the followers of Rabbi David who already passed, uh, certainly by the 60s, possibly even in the 50s, um, but but they're still following his ptak, and they do Purim on the 14th. Um, so actually, I remember somebody was flying from, from England to Israel on Purim night and she lived in Jerusalem. So she heard the Megillah by night in England and then she took a late night flight to Israel and she came. So instead of having to go somewhere else to hear the Megillah, because for, for her, Purim was because, okay, it's another whole topic, but she, because at, let's say at sunrise of Purim, she wasn't in Jerusalem. So she has to keep Purim on the 14th and she then did on the 15th as well. But where are you going to hear the Megillah on the 14th? So she went to that shul to hear the Megillah. Um, and uh, actually in Rav Zevin Sefer, Mayadim um he, he, he writes very sharply. He says, I don't understand why Rabbi Tukashinsky keeps on doing this. He keeps on writing that you're supposed to keep putting him on the 14th, even though he knows nobody's listening to him and everybody only does put him on the 15th. And why is he being so stubborn? And anyway, okay. All right. <laughs> so that's that's as far as your shalim goes. Now, here's where it gets really juicy. And uh, we have limited time left. Um, so what are we gonna do with our limited time, guys? All right, I'm gonna talk about Beit Shemesh. Now, Beit Shemesh I'm using Beit Shemesh kind of as a, a guinea pig, but not as a guinea pig, it's just you know, we, we could we could virtually have the same discussion about numerous cities and places in Israel. But the reason why I'm choosing Beit Shemesh is because that's the one that's been in the news, very prominently this year, and in the, and in recent years, because Beit Shemesh, Ramat Beit Shemesh specifically, has a there's a very strong controversy around around the Beit Shemesh, and 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 basically the controversy is that we now have we, we, we know that Eretz Yisrael in the time of Yeshua bin Nun was absolutely full of walled cities. In fact, in Sefer Yehoshua, in Sefer Yehoshua. Um, where it lists all the cities of the borders. So there's different opinions about this, but there's certainly according to one interpretation from the Yerushalmi, it turns out that any city that is mentioned in name, by right, is mentioned by name in the book of Yehoshua, we know for certain that was a walled city. Right. Okay, there are those who argue on that, but that is a, a an opinion. So the land is riddle, is is full of, of walled cities, which actually makes for a whole host of cities that historically have been doing two days. So while we mentioned that Jerusalem is the only city that does two days, that does sorry only the 15th, there are numerous cities in Israel that do two days. Many people in Haifa, many people in Lud. In fact in Lod um, some people want to argue to do only the 15th, because they seem to have very strong archaeological evidence that they're um, close to the ancient city of Lud. And the ancient city of Lud is even more important to do the 15th than cities, because all the cities mentioned in Yeshua, there's only one opinion that they were w- w- walled cities. But Lud itself is explicit in the Mishnah in Erechon that it was a walled city. So if we are to determine that modern day Lud is um, basically at the same place where ancient Lud was, so then they should do on the fifteenth. and by the way that's relevant to a lot of Lubavitches because Kfar Chabad is arguably is is some of the to Lud. you could see Lud from Kfar Chabad so um so 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 the question is why doesn't Kfar Chabad do two days um and as we'll see soon that it seems and I don't know why that Many Lubavitches have, have a very, very strong aversion and they want to do 14th and the 14th only and, and that's it. It's interesting also that when it comes to two days Yom there's a strong argument to be made that many places in the United States, including Krachabad, should be doing two days Yom because uh, there are places that didn't used to have, uh, that weren't in Hampton in the time when the when they were in kadisha on Again, I digress beyond the scope, but again, in practice there's a strong aversion to that and virtually nobody does that. What else? Yafo, right? Akko, Shem, um, Yeriche, Azar, Ramal, Many, many cities in Israel are doing two days and have been doing so for centuries. Um, but the problem, the question becomes, as more and more um, archaeological work is being done and, and studied, and don't forget, the whole science of archaeology is a fairly uh, modern, fairly recent science, right? Fairly recent, uh, you know, it's only the last... I don't know exactly, but decades, not centuries, that archaeology has become so advanced. It's probably
1: more than hundred years, but not, not part much,
0: part right? Part and certainly, and, and and certainly, it's made tremendous, tremendous advances in the last centuries, in the last decades, right? So suddenly, we're finding remnants uh, and identifying remnants of cities, remnants of walls of cities, and that we can identify as being certain cities. In in the book of in that I mentioned in the book of Yehushua in the Mishnah and that we know they were walled cities and suddenly we have all these uh, you know so so specifically okay so let's talk about Beit Shemesh right I can give you here a whole list of of names of rabbis who say yes absolutely Beit Shemesh have to do two days of Purim um, there are and then there's a list of rabbis who say absolutely not only the fourteenth I have here a six page triva. From the Chabad Rabbi in Beit Shemesh Rabbi Bishid, and he writes, um, absolutely only the 14th. Personally, I, I mean, just again, we only have limited time to go through this, but I don't find him to be saying very anything very convincing. I mean, uh, thank God nobody's asking me, but if they were asking me, I would probably say they should do two days. Um, again, without a broken, yeah, yeah, and um, and um this it became even last year was very big in the news but last year it wasn't as relevant because it was Purim Meshulash so anyway they were reading the it was Friday so the, anyway they were reading Megillah on the 14th but this year um so it's a very prominent posthum on both sides of the case but this year uh, Moshe Brandstuffer who's very famous because his father was famous the Knebosan, um he says to do it he said they have to do two days and then two days later the Ada Raiders came out with a Letter, a very strongly worded letter that you do Purim only on the fourteenth, and it didn't even say any reasoning. It did, I think, allude to the fact that they were going to publish a reasoning, but not yet, and they're probably going to wait till after Purim because they don't want anybody to undermine them. If you tell them a reason, they could argue with them. If I don't tell you a reason, they just got to listen, right? Okay, um, let's try and go I through. So. <laughs> right. <I said> so. <laughs> so, so let's try and go through the um, the, the primary arguments. Um, for, okay, so first of all, uh, th- there is one of the principles that the, 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 the we mentioned before, the Kaftev of and Perestudyah places, and he makes a strong argument with this: is that names of cities basically don't change, and therefore we could trace where ancient cities are even before archaeology. Um, we could trace where ancient cities are based on names that have been kept in the Arab in, by the Arabs, and there are dozens of cities where they have, where the Arabic names matches almost an exact, science, exact almost exactly, you know, obviously with the change of accent, et cetera, to these names of cities that we know in Yeshua. Couple with that, the fact that the recent archaeological discoveries and findings and understandings, you could almost prove without a shadow of a doubt what these ru, ru, um, ruins are. And I'll pass this around soon. In fact, I could pass it around now. If you look here. I mean, look at this. You can literally see an ancient city with a wall. You know, this is the ancient wall, and you're literally a stone's throw away. This is the edge of David in Beit Shemesh. Right? Um, one of the reasons this became, came up more recently is because these buildings that you're looking at right here, Ramadalud of Beit Shemesh, are very recent. It's in the last couple of years that this part of Beit Shemesh has been further expanded, so we're really, really close mm-hmm. to this place called Tel Yarmut. Tel Yarmut is... Is one of the cities in Yehoshua being a walled city? Um, um, there's also another Tertal Beit Shemesh. There's another side of which Shemesh that's near near a different city, and in the laws of Tchumen, one of the okay. So one of the one of the areas of complication is exactly how you measure things. How you measure things exactly? what Do you measure to the building or to the sidewalk or to the street? Do you measure from the, this side of the wall that side of the wall? Do you measure in a straight line in the shortest line? Do you go by do you put the world on a straight northeast-southwest and measure that way? Do you, do you round off? If you're talking about Tchumen, you know, how you round things off. If you have a city that's not an exact square, which which cities are, right? So then you sort of round things up. So a lot of it gets into those types of complicated halachas. Um, but, the, I mean, okay, let's go through this very quickly. What are the arguments to keep, put him on the 15th in Beit Shemesh, or also on the 15th, number one, we have a wall. We have a wall. even if you wouldn't know anything about the wall, the lock and is you find an ancient wall Um would be reason to do. Um, uh two, uh, uh two days and then you have um yeah there's other cities over there that are that, that, that besides taliarmut uh, um etc. cetera and of course okay of course we have the names i've mentioned before the customer's names is a very strong the fact that the arabs ca- kept the names now um what are the arguments against that by the way i, I should mention there's a safer here which uh, <laughs> this is just the link to it it's a you can download the pdf online it's a safer of over 300 pages Specifically about what day Purim should be in Bechamish, not about only about Bechamish. Obviously, he goes through all the thing, all the Sunya, but um, and I, if, I, 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 if I'm not mistaken, he comes to the Maskana that Bechamish should be doing Purim only on the 15th, <laughs> not even two days, only on the 15th. Okay, what are that's a, I was wondering
1: why, why is that? yeah,
0: right, right? So, what are the okay? I have to give a little bit upon him to the other side. What are the um, by the way, you should. Mentioned one of the one of the names that comes up a lot in this discussion is I don't know how thousand to... um, more than a thousand years before the death of America. And he, um, no, well it's not because he was a, yeah, and, um, and he, he, he already then went through the names of the cities and compared them to, you know, all right. So what are the arguments again do against doing the uh, thing on the, on the, on the, on two days of Purim in in Beit Shemesh. So basically, we say like this, okay, first of all, you said you found the wall, but you didn't really found the wall. You found some stones. Now, yes, it's true that those stones used to be a wall, but just the fact that you found stones doesn't mean that you're finding a wall, right? So yes, if you find a wall, then you have to keep putting them on the 15th, but if you find stones that used to be a wall, uh, you know, remnants of a destroyed wall, you don't keep on the 15th. Um, also, the, those who are against it...
1: When, when you say, sorry, you're saying, What's this argument, that the the stones may not have been a wall around the city? No. But they were, so there was a wall, in the time of Yeshua ben Nun, and and
0: the wall was destroyed. No, here, no, we're breaking this down. The first argument was, forget about history, forget about archaeology, forget about anything you know. The halachan shukhanarach is, you find a wall, so you have to assume, you find an old wall, you have to assume that it might have been there from Yeshua ben Nun, and you do two days. You do, yeah, so so this, the, the, this, uh, these rabbis are saying, that's if you find a wall, not if you find remnants of a wall. Now, what are you gonna, then going to say? Oh, but the remnants of a wall um, in, uh, indicate all the archaeological stuff that we know what this used to be. Well, actually, you can't really rely on names of cities. Maybe the, the, the name he writes over here that, uh, you know, you're telling me that because the, the Arabs called this city which is like Tel Yarmut, but actually, it could be, you know, Yarmas, which is a different city, you know, which is not, okay, fine. You know, so so, th- so they're trying to make the argument that the fact that we have names that tell us what these cities used to be ain't all that important. They also, we don't like relying on archaeologists because we can't really, we don't really, uh, they lie and they're not from and they they, they, they they, believe in evolution and they believe in all sorts of heretical things. So who, why, why are we taking them so seriously anyway? Um Hold on, I'm going to get there. Hold on. Um, um, okay. So, 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 so th- there are some more arguments. Let, let me just address that, that. That my my feeling is, right, in my sort of reading between the lines over here, is that there's two, there's two very strong, between the lines underlying currents over here to so why these rabbis are very resistant. To embracing two days of Purim in bit challenge. I think there's two reasons. One reason is being very conservative, lowercase C. We don't want to make changes. We want to uphold traditions. We don't want to. We don't like new stuff. New stuff. We're scared of new stuff, right? I'm not saying we, but some people are very scared of new stuff. Maybe I am too. I don't know. But so cities that have a tradition to keep two days, okay, fine. But um, but, but but to institute a new city for two days, we're going to push back, right? That's not more. And number two is really a sociological thing, which I just touched on now, is this sort of divide between, which is much more pronounced in Israel than it is here, between the observant and non-observant communities, between the heretical scientists who hate the, Jew, the Torah and hate Yiddishkeit and don't believe, and and, the, and therefore there's this sort of knee-jerk reaction to try to disprove and disbelieve, anything the archaeologists say. The problem with that is that, like Rabbi Duke said, um, but besides that, um, it's becoming less and less possible to do so because again, as the advances of archaeology become more and more, it's almost like just staring at you in the face, A, and B, today we have even very from pious learned um, Jews who are very big historians and archaeologists. Um most notably there's the rabbi Yehuda Landi who's written many a big lecture written many columns and then and Sfarim in Hebrew and even in English. He has a book called Purim and the Persian Empire in English. We have it here in the library by rabbi Yehuda Landi where he goes through all I mean it's a fascinating fascinating book very strongly recommended read, but he goes through the history of Purim and Shushan and Hashverish and and it's unbelievable stuff. And you can't tell me that he, you know, and actually over here you'll see there's actually a a meeting, pictures here of a meeting between a whole um, group of very prominent Haredi rabbis together with a whole group of very non-Haredi archaeologists, right? And they've come to a place where they realize we've got to sit down and talk, right? So... Um, used to be walled, and it no longer has a wall, right? We do we do put him on the fifteenth. Okay, so that would be you have Tel Yarmut. Tel Yarmut used to have a wall. If you were to build, if you were to rebuild, build Tel Yarmut, so then you you sort of revived the old Tel Yarmut. But here, nobody's rebuilding the old city. They're not even allowed to rebuild the old city. The, the 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 authorities in Israel don't allow that, right? They're building a random city, Beit Shemesh, and it happens to be that as a fluke, right? They bumped into Tel so that you know that, that's not called rebuilding an old city. That's a new city, and it doesn't relate to the old city. Okay, that's a that's a svara. It's an argument. It's a logical argument. Whether or not it's hard to, I don't know that it's so easy to find proof to that argument, but it's an argument that's made. Um, really, a big, big part of this um, um, of this uh, of this debate then surrounds around the following, and that is that the Mishnah Berurah and Bihalacha basically accepts two two um two axiom two things number one that um if and we alluded to this before when we spoke about jerusalem being in under Jordanian wall that it rule Jordanian rule rule that if a city is destroyed then the 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 places that are some of the the places yeah that if the city is destroyed it no longer has that 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 din right and therefore um, even though you've rebuilt Beit Shemesh, if you were to, so right, but like, you know, it, it, it's kind so of similar to thing. Basically, if you were to ha- get a million of people right on the town of where inside the, 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 the archaeological walls they found, and they went to read the Gil, They still would say they should only do it on the fourteenth. Is that what it is? Yes, that's what the Masas Moshe would understand. Now, the the Mishaburu is quoting this from the masters Moshe, who's quoting it from the Ran. The counter argument is that the masters Moshe didn't see the Ran, and had he seen the Ran, he would have seen realized that all he you know was all you know because they didn't have Sfarim like we have today. And had he seen the Ran, he would have seen that actually the Ran is just quoting the Ramban, and had he seen the Ramban, he would have seen that that's not actually what the Ramban meant. And you have, this is a common problem that we come into. Rabbi Katz from Buffalo Grove. Gave, gave a class on that topic right here in this room a few months ago. Now, what do you do when you suddenly have revelations that you're like, hey, if the rabbi 500 years, years ago had access to the information that I have, maybe he would have said something different. So that's a big part of the discussion here. And another thing, which again, kind of runs into similar topics, is that the B'Qi of the Chittah, writes that, um, that any place that is a, that is any element of sufik, um you don't apply that to Samaqvenir. So where, so where is Yerushalayim, which is certainly on the fifteenth? So then, any place that's in close proximity, some of to Yerushalayim, does it also on the fifteenth? But if you have Tal Yarmut, which is only a Suffolk, because because even if you were to know hundred percent that it's for sure that it's Talyarmut, you, you you still you don't know a hundred percent that it was wall from the time of Yeshua but no It's a suffix Says the Chiddush. That that because it's a in of if right? And you know there's a wall, but you don't know for sure when that if the wall is that old. So maybe it's even older. Maybe it was destroyed before Yeshua came in, right? So 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 says the Chidah quoted by the Bira Lacha, um that um, no, we don't apply samachvenira to places that are a suffic So even if you know for sure that that's Talyamut, you still do put him on the fourteenth. And and again, okay. the question is what image? Happens. The question is, do we accept this Pirkei Yosef and um, this Chidah or not? And uh, part of the argument goes on over here is that there's the Mishnaburah and there's the Bira Halacha. And some say, well, um, I mean, the Bira Halacha is the most, is a phenomenal, phenomenal safer, But some have some sort of tradition that the Bira Halacha can sometimes be more speculative than actual paskening Halacha versus Mishnaburah, which is much more firm. And this, this is a conversation which we could talk for, for many, many hours. Lamaisa. Again, I think I, I think it's going to be split because and there's more. There's in fact there's another place called Talbe Beit Shemesh, which they don't know for sure because they, they they have limited They can't dig under the buildings, but they want to say that actually there are parts of Beit Shemesh that are literally right on top of where the old walled city used to be in the times so of Yeshua ben The bottom line is that of course this is a, an ongoing machlokes and probably going to be the comes until there's a unanimous vote. But what I think is it, it, it's important to remember, and this is where this thing becomes so fascinating, is that right now we're talking about Beit Shemesh, but you could pretty much have the same conversation about dozens of places in Eretz Yisrael. And it remains somewhat of an enigma as to why it is that so many places in Eretz Yisrael are not doing the 15th. And like I said, mentioned, I think there's a lot of pushback, specifically from Haredim and Hasidim. You know, we have even adopting tchelas, right? Which, okay, in Chabad there's a strong tradition, which is basically more mystical than halachic about not wearing tchelas in the times of cholus. But halachically speaking, it's really not. It's a very difficult argument to make to not wear tchelas, and yet many people are resistant to it, and other. Similar okay changes. If,
1: if we knew hundred percent for sure that that is the chalas, we would still say don't wear
0: it. Chabad, yes. But but, 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 but I, I can't say I understand that. But that's what the Rabbi Rashi writes. Rabbi Rashi writes that the but, um, but, but 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 there are many others who don't have the tradition. Uh, Rabbi Chaim Kenievsky is quoted to have said that if you know for sure, if you think that you know for sure that this isn't the you're absolutely the have to wear it. He doesn't wear it because he's not convinced. Now, I, I, I don't know what that means. Does that mean that he's actually gone through all the material and he's not convinced? or he just doesn't want to go through the material because he doesn't want... I don't know. I, I can't speak for him. But but, but, but this remains a, a, a very alive, relevant, current topic for thousands of Jews in Eretz Yisrael every year as to when they should actually keep the mitzvah of Purim. This year it's the it's the city of Bechemish that's in the headlines. Next year maybe it will be Krachabad.